this is Jeff with PodcastCoco.com, and you're listening to the MEP Report. Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu. He's got a beak and feathers and things, but the poor old feather ain't got no wings. Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle? I'm better to da 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 Well, the eagle's flying round and round to keep my two feet firmly on the ground. Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you, I could run the pants of a kangaroo. But I He can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants of a kangaroo. Well, he was the model for the 50 cents. Welcome to Never Four 128. You thought we were gone. You were wrong. We we were gone, actually. Okay, right. You were right that we were gone. But we're back. To be fair, we were gone. We were gone. We are, we are back. We are out of our cryogenetic stasis. We want to thank everyone for uh, tuning back in and listening to the show. We are back, people. This is Met Report 2.0. My name is Greg. Russ and Story are here. Uh, we, we've reassembled. We've My name is Greg, Russ, and Story. We are all those three at one time. We, we were in the cryogenic vault and became a three-headed hydra of doom. <laughs> it was kind of disgusting, here, here but it was sort ears. of like, it's like a B-movie that's now starring on sci-fi, but... Um, but yeah, so guys, I, how, how's, uh, of course we haven't talked at all for the last three years. So how's your life been? Um, you know, how's, how's, how's it, how's it been the last three years of your life? Everyone's moved by the way, except for me. Uh, you guys are, uh, you true. guys are moved already. Although so story, Russ did not move very far. No, Russ did not move far. Three miles. Exactly. So Russ, talk about your awesome place. Talk about what you've been doing with yourself the last three years and talk about I, your awesome place. I honestly, I don't even know where to begin. I feel like um, I'm like 65% a completely different person from the last time we recorded the MEP report. Yeah. Uh, so my life, I don't even know. There are so many things, you guys. And even <laughs> yesterday, Who my are life you even? so drastically that I can't even recoup that from the day before when I would have been slightly easier. Um. Where shall we begin? I don't live in this. I lived in an apartment for 11 years, and now I live in a different apartment, um, which took me months and months of scouting L.A. to find something appropriate. It's awesome. I've seen pictures. Criteria. Um, and because – I'll start here. Because now I don't live in a place where I expect to leave in five minutes and refuse to accumulate anything and live a, a life of a, a digital recluse who has no possessions. Um, Please know that he expected to leave in five minutes for 11 years. Yes. yes. That yes. was, and that was Russ's now, transience. That's his autobiography, 11 years in five minutes. And so I was always like, oh, I wouldn't want to buy anything nice because then I would just have to move more things when I move in five minutes. Um, so now that I have a place that I like, all of a sudden I've been accumulating and collecting things, which I haven't really done since I collected baseball cards as a kid. And the things that I'm accumulating and collecting are telling me weird things about myself, and it's it's very strange. And it, this has all happened very rapidly in the last few months, that like all of a sudden I'm like a mid-level expert on mid-century modern chairs and furniture. <laughs> 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 and uh, also like, a mid-level expert on uh, ceremonial tribal masks and uh, course, oceanic, yeah. oceanic uh, tribal artifacts and, and shamanic artifacts and like all of this stuff that to some people makes my apartment a little bit scary. But if you're not a little bit scared, <laughs> why would it be interesting to be sure. in 
Basically, so. you've become Howard Hughes, is what you're what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I I call, like, is like there pee in uh, jars? <laughs> is there pee in jars? That's no, there's no pee know. in jars. Okay. Um, but I do refer to my place as the Shaman's Perch. <laughs> for laser falcon i want to ask what it means to be mid-level like because you say that and i think like mid-level exception for an nba team so when when you're like a mid-level expert in furniture and tribal masks like is the higher level one like what you aspire to be like is this the set of a movie where you eventually have to fight the high level guy to be the best like expert in old chairs and masks or? i just wouldn't presume to call myself an expert after being interested in something since june like i just don't think that that's appropriate so i mean i've been obsessed with it since june but how much can you possibly learn about something in a few months um so i uh for instance my the hobby is basically finding things on craigslist also i'm a craigslist ninja now because every single thing that i've bought well that's always been the case though uh, I mean... furniture wise is yeah, I've just taken it up a notch rather than like <laughs> i found a couch that i can actually sit on for a reasonable price i'm like Oh yeah, I found a you know a Vitra Basil uh, museum design chair for eleven uh, percent of what it should be in on uh, online. You know. Yeah, you went to the more classy place in Craigslist where things are in capital letters instead of all lowercase and stuff. It's so much fun looking for these things that people are like chair, and I'm like, that's not a chair, that's a Hans Wegner Artemis chair. <laughs> Cultured <laughs> boob. <laughs> I will buy it from you for more than. You don't know how much that's worth, sir. I'll uh, just take what it. I think Russ is trying to say is that I wouldn't like him anymore. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was funny as he was talking about it. I was just like, wow. <laughs> story's like, and like, that's the Met Report 2.0. And 2. we oh, are no great. longer friends. Tune in <laughs> yeah. to see what three years of absence can do for your friendship. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, Basically. man. But but why you know I remember because you came out um I was maybe halfway joking MEP listeners that's never happened before about this but uh, I actually have seen Russ since the the three years of our absence on the show and uh so he had showed me pictures of this apartment but how did you get into the masks part like what, what um, was it that I've that always me? I've always liked shamanic artifacts and I've always enjoyed seeing people with furnishings of masks on their wall and I was like one day me I will do that mm-hmm. when I have a place that I like and then. I basically started just buying lots of tribal artifacts from people on Craigslist who were like, well, my dad worked for NASA and then he retired and then he traveled the world collecting artifacts from countries all over the world. And I don't care because I just inherited his house and have lots of money now. So you can have all this stuff for really cheap. And I'm like, great, I'll, I'll take all your heirlooms. Sure. This I'll belongs make in a museum. Mine. Yeah. yeah, and so then all of a sudden from that, um, just learning what each piece was that I bought. I thought it looked cool, but I had no idea what it was. And then just going through like thousands of Google images, trying to figure out the origins of these pieces. And you just learn things about what an African mask looks like versus what an oceanic mask looks like versus what a touristy thing that they sell in a market looks like. And you slowly you know, get a sense of it. Story, this is actually not unpredictable because in a way I've always imagined Russ is a little bit of an Indiana Jones type. So it's I not mean, Russ surprising. is a minor demon, so his, you know... Right. His accumulation of shamanic <laughs> right. things is, is not really not too surprising. Right. The, the fact that this starts as a bad outtake from the believers is fine. I don't, I don't, I don't see how that could go. Side, one one side could argue that I went a little overboard because I had, like, you know, my living room <laughs> no, was really nice. Not right. masks. <laughs> and then, never change. And then I just started buying these huge lots of these things. And I was like, well, I guess there's going to be an entire wall in my kitchen that is just tribal masks, like, right next to each other <laughs> in the giant <laughs> And... Right is that what you call Summoner's Square now? Is that... <laughs> Summoner's Square. People are, 
fortunately, it doesn't face where most people hang out for the majority of the time in my living room. Because when they walk into the kitchen, they walk back. They're like, uh, oh. Well, the people who hang out that aren't vaporized. Upon... <laughs> exactly. The ones we know about. Yeah. But it's all good. Like, I went through all of the precautions. Like, I cleansed the room with all the masks with a, a smudge stick, which is like burning sage. And I we did a shamanic cleansing to make sure that nobody had a bad attitude who was entering the apartment for the first time. By which I'm talking about the artifacts. <laughs> Everybody walks in. I'm sorry. We're going to need to ask you to do a shamanic cleanse. What? Just stand there while I run this burning sage stick up and down your body. And well, God, why? We need you. Don't you have a bad attitude? I can tell. And do you so. know how many dating mishaps that practice would have saved Russ in a it's past very, life? Very true. Yeah. It's Walk very in true. And quit the dating relationship immediately. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, but that's cool. And then besides so besides collecting everything, I also happen to know that your entire life including now this moment is given over to uh improv and comedy. Like Yeah, I right? finally just decided to be a comedian rather than just think of myself as a funny guy who worked in tech companies. So that's <laughs> there's a pretty vast difference between those two things as it turns out. Yeah. You can't just be, I'm a funny guy at parties in the right mood sometimes. That's good enough for me. <laughs> um, no, I'm on stage all the time. I, I'm in eight eight improv groups now. Um, I have a number of regular shows on the main stage of IO West, um, so I'm constantly in the mix up there. And, and you know, you know, it's like anything else. It's just another hierarchy to be conquered. So it's just that's what we're doing right now. Just conquering a high. Yeah, exactly. Except nice. this is, you know, this is a fun, fun. treadmill. Right. You get to be in front of people. And, and it's <clears throat> different than stand-up. Stand-ups all of a sudden seem like this really timid practice to me because they're just like hiding behind their scripts and their jokes and their material. And I just get up there and do make-ups. And, and we're expected to be really funny. And we have no idea what's going to happen before we get on stage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, but we we do some amazing shit just from listening and you know applying principles that we've learned basically. And and how many groups exactly are you in? Eight, eight now, uh-huh. eight as of this last week. <laughs> eight separate improv groups. Yeah, yes, that's you know, I I, I do think as I said, uh, Russ does a lot changed. of things halfway. Yeah, you know that's <laughs> his style. Say. He has a, he has a different mask for every improv group. He grabs one from the wall and he just. I read you know. Outliers. I I need ten thousand hours, and why waste time? Just go ahead and get them. Just <laughs> grab all of the ten thousand. Nice, nice. So you've you've made some uh, significant changes and other ones that seem somewhat similar or enhancements of your previous self. Yeah. Um, the the traumatic right. thing is that my girlfriend just moved into my apartment yesterday, and so. Wow. Uh, yeah, also that. So then now I'm just like, I've been living alone for eight years and I'm having anxiety and freaking out because she snores a little bit and like little stupid things that I'm like, how am I going to deal with this? I'm <laughs> used to being in my incubation chamber when I'm not doing my eight improv groups and like my, I need my uh, antisocial recharge capsule and I don't, I don't know yeah, what I'm going to do. Need, you need your isolation. What's, what's that thing that Vader sits in the isolation booth yeah. or whatever, where, you know, um, the, the, yeah, Jack's thing the suspension tank or whatever it is yeah yeah, yeah. i think it'll be fine um just make sure did you give now did you give your girlfriend the shamanic cleanse um <laughs> in? 
Because this is not no. just, you know, no? She's always been a little bit afraid of my apartment, too, which is funny. She she constantly brings up an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where <laughs> the mom character starts collecting masks and is inhabited by their spirits. And I'm like, well, this is not Buffy. Maybe. <laughs> it's much, much worse. <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool. All right. Well, then, and then, uh, and meanwhile, while you've been doing that, um, Story has wandered to the south where he's become a bayou fisherman. No, that's not quite right. Um, basically, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, what, are you do- I what are you doing with your life, Story? I basically decided and sat down and said, what's important to me in my life? What do I really care about? The ability to drink anywhere at any time in any situation. <laughs> the consumption of seafood. Um, and maybe the procurement thereof mm-hmm. and, um, access to hurricane force winds. So you so moved to Baltimore. Congratulations, <laughs> Baltimore. No, no. Yes. So I decided that new Orleans was the place to be. Uh, in reality, I did come to new Orleans. My girlfriend got a job down here. She's doing teach for America, which, uh, we could do a whole sidelight on exposing the, um, wonderful positives and negatives. And negatives and negatives and negatives of Teach for America. Um, and, uh, but you know, she's given it a whirl. And, um, yeah, so we're down here and we have moved once already since coming down here. So I have been to as many apartments in the last two and a half months as Russ has in the last 12 years. Um, so that's been fun. And yeah, and I'm making a go, a, a bit of a go at being a professional poker player, which is a long time aspiration, long time aspiration, first time trier in any serious way. Uh, much like what Russ is talking about, it's a lot easier to do things when you do them with all of your time instead of some of your time. And you're making a go of it, right? Most I mean, of you, your time. you've actually been very successful. With this yeah, so, so far. far, you know, so far I am averaging what I would say is a is a living wage. Uh, it certainly beats the heck out of, you know, people that are protesting or striking for not having a living wage. Uh, capped by, you know, the big the big uptick in the in the graph was the tournament that i won ostensibly i won it it was really a five-way chop but i had the biggest chip stack at the time which meant i was the sucker for chopping but it was <laughs> two in the morning and alex had to work the next day and we were in mississippi and had an hour and a half drive home and you know and it's one of those things the way tournament payout structure is that basically if you chop at any point on the final table everybody gets second place money and otherwise everyone's sort of gambling and rolling the dice with a structure that's increasing very quickly and increasing the variance level very quickly for maybe getting third place money. So I was the chip leader, but I very easily could have ended up third. And then there's the whole tax question, which I probably shouldn't talk about publicly, but everybody does. And it's yeah, no go ahead. Deal. So, <laughs> so, you know, which is that the tax line for automatically getting state taxed in Mississippi and getting your winnings reported to the IRS is $5,000. And everyone is very keyed up about trying to stay below the five thousand dollars and not by losing so so we chopped for like 49.66 or something so that seemed like a sign to everyone that it was time to chop so so we all chopped for about five thousand bucks but all of the media about it says that i won ten thousand bucks so so my uh star is rising faster than my reality and you'd be amazed i mean you know like like russ is talking about this treadmill there's this whole world I was actually thinking about working on a blog post about this, but about how literally the world is big enough at 7 billion people and America is prosperous enough that everything in the world that you can think to try to be good at or do already has its own like hierarchical society and nomenclature yep. and 
cool kids and people who are on the up and up and website devoted to tracking their success. It's like yep. the the transition from APTA to which is the debate league that we used to all compete in and I recently coached in for five years to poker playing was just so seamless as far as like, oh, OK, I know how this works and the ranking websites and how you accumulate it. And it's all great. So yep. Yep. so I've been ensconcing myself in sort of that culture and seeing who the big shots are. The big problem is, is that I've moved to a place where there's a live cash game that's available all the time, but tournaments are fairly scarce. And I'm frankly just a better tournament player, and I like tournaments better, and the risk ratio, reward ratio is better, and like everything in the world is better about tournaments. But it's basically impossible in this part of the world to live on tournaments without just being one of those traveling suitcase type people. Mm -hmm. And I just was a traveling suitcase type person for five years, and my girlfriend loved every minute of that. So uh, also, I feel we got spoiled a bit by internet tournaments, which are faster, have more people, have bigger payouts, and you can do in your underwear. So and which we still can't freaking do unless we live in New Jersey, which is a pain. Right, which I just left. That's the other thing is I tell all the (laughs) poker regulars, oh yeah, I just escaped New Jersey. And they're like, you left New Jersey. They just got online. What is know, wrong with you? I know it. I you, know it. What? They're like, you moved from Mecca to like the White House as a practicing Muslim. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> mm. like I know it. I, I can't be- believe they haven't that that still has not been changed. I would have oh, thought actually, by now it would have been. I have some good news for you guys on that front. Do you? Yeah. Um, only about last week, I discovered a... <laughs> I discovered uh, Dubai, and we're going to move there, and then it'll be no problem. <laughs> yes. They call it the white man's gambling capital of the world. Um, no, it's uh, it's actually a Bitcoin poker site that operates, is very much like a poker star's mirror, pretty much, um, except that it's the population is a lot smaller. Um, but you just have to buy in via Bitcoin, and then you play in cash equivalents, and then you cash out with Bitcoin, and uh, it skirts all of these these uh, pesky currency regulations having to do with gambling so ah interesting so it's because it's not subject to hmm <laughs> I, have the, I have the image that's going to be the case until someone's like wait a minute someone in the office of the you know the third deputy undersecretary for something is going to be like what is this bitcoin bitcoin sir bit bit botcoin what it, what do we what is this deal i have yeah. a feeling that's on the way much like so original I've actually... online poker went yes actually <laughs> yep. yeah like that, yeah. <laughs> same so, same life cycle, yeah. Yeah, so partially inspired by all of the good news that I've been hearing from Story, I've been kind of jonesing to get to play poker. But for me, driving down to the bicycle casino is frustrating um, because historically I've always been better against good players than against terrible players, um, <laughs> which is just the weird poker paradox that's yes. just true. And so, yeah, Bitcoin dudes are, you know, they're savvy enough to have Bitcoin. So maybe they're programmers or tech savvy or what have you. And then so they're they're perfectly moderate, moderately ability poker players. And those are the perfect people to extract money from for me. So I'm really having a good time. Nice. I have this image. You're going to create your own Bitcoin empire while Story is holding down the uh, the southern hemisphere of, uh, of real I mean, quotes, real money. Yeah. Uh, you know. Also, Bitcoin is very cheap right now, so it's a good time to, to get in yes. on whatever level. Before is it it's cheap? All Has it gone down stuff. in value? Yeah, what, quite a bit uh, over oh, the really? last month or two. Well, yeah. well, none of it's left, right? Because every single person who traded in has been now under investigation by, by no. some major... It has nothing to do with it. I mean, it was just China was trading about 60 to 70% of the Bitcoin, both in the uh, the bubble and recently. And uh, the Alibaba IPO happened, so all the Chinese investors got bored and dumped their Bitcoin for the new hotness. And so the, the price uh, deflated a whole bunch. Ah, interesting. 
So now is the time to get involved. That's cool. Yep. Well, so you're so now yeah, so you're New Orleans bound and you're still writing also in Tennessee Williams home basically um a little yeah i mean i haven't really gotten into a place where i'm focused on a writing project I, I, so i feel like i'm in a calibration phase with the poker basically where i'm trying to calibrate sort of you know and the problem is vo- poker is notorious for variance so trying to get consistent statistics you know i have my famous spreadsheet that i've been tracking everything in and i'm trying to zero in on uh precise times uh, to play that are good that also work with having a girlfriend and life and such um you know so figuring out the maximally profitable times and scenarios and situations and ways of playing and that is just constantly subject to tweaking and i want that to be sort of on autopilot before i start adding like i've been, you know i want to start volunteering somewhere and start writing more and you know sort of setting up a whole life in an architecture but the sort of income prolonged poker stuff has to be established first and consistent and then the room that i play at there's basically only one poker room in new orleans which is harris new orleans which i can take the streetcar to which is a very enjoyable part of my day and i really like as a lifestyle but then they recently like last week changed everything about how they handle cash games so they used to play one two no limit and now they change it to one three no limit which you would think is not that significant a change but it's actually a massive cultural shift so it's been like an earthquake in everything that i'm doing so i had been playing for two and a half months felt like i just sort of established a rhythm in one two and they're like no forget that we will no longer spread one two everything changes so that's now been like totally reset just as i'm finally sort of getting the apartment set up and opening the last few boxes so what, from the reboot one two versus one three i'm sorry so that's the blinds are one dollar right. and two dollars and oh, now I it's see, one dollar and three dollars so the big the size of the big blind and if you think about it you know you used to to play poker quite yeah. a bit with us the size of the big blind is basically the denominator by which everything else is determined as far as like what is a reasonable bet size yep. and yep what the scale of everything is. So basically, for those who are paying attention, for those who aren't paying attention, they wander in drunk from the convention center and give me their money and leave. And that's fun. But for those who are paying <laughs> Without attention... Without even playing, actually. They're just like, stories here, here. They're like, hey, bro, guy, I just wanted to give you this cash right now, and I'm going to go back and, and fall in my bed, okay? I think. You would think that's an exaggeration, but it's really so <laughs> close to accurate that it just doesn't... You know, and it's not always me. There's the other semi-pro people who are there as well but so that happens regardless but because my girlfriend is working you know six in the morning till three in the afternoon i play disproportionately during the daytime which russ would love because it's mostly regulars who have at least some idea what they're doing some of the regulars are pretty bad but they're bad and consistent and trackable ways so you play with the regulars and basically what you did is you just changed 50%. You increased the stake by 50% for those who are paying attention, which is a, it's a total earthquake in the way that the game runs. So right. the game is much faster, much larger. And a lot of my game is about sort of like damage control, loss minimization and yes. getting high return for a low buy-in, which is like kind of eroded to a certain extent by, by the one three game even though it's like ostensibly only a dollar difference in the initial stake but but the way that it changes everything is huge if you think about a tournament and the blinds suddenly go up 50 percent, and you're trying to preserve your number of big blinds and now you have you know only two-thirds of what you had before it's it's a big change so yeah yeah 
I see. So yeah. So well, I'm still I- figuring it out and calibrating, and you know, and there's constantly adjustments to be tweaked, and it's also something where you can, you know, I mean, the the other issue, which is probably more interesting to talk about than the technicalities of of pot sizing, is that I'm also having the experience w- of being a pretty hardcore manic depressive who is now trying to make the living and spend the bulk of his time <laughs> on something notorious for swings of highs and lows. Yes. And this has been a real adventure in self-discovery. Your life as is rounders. As, yes, your life yeah. is rounders. Yeah. I mean, I have basically left the poker room usually being about to buy a million-dollar house or about to quit <laughs> poker forever and become an accountant. And there's very few days that one of those outcomes is not very seriously entertained. <laughs> And there are times on the map report, you know, since we're getting back into this, where we used to sort of exaggerate things about ourselves for entertainment and a persona. I'm really not exaggerating. <laughs> this is really literally what it's like to be me playing poker professionally of, I won $400. If I pace this out to two years, yep. <laughs> I'm going to be able to retire and live forever with Ross. And then it's like, you know. I've lost 202 days in a row. Everything is doom. I'm the worst person ever. That money could have gone to Africa. What my is wrong with me? House, my parents' I, house will somehow be repossessed for no reason because exactly. of this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I really, um, you know, it's been good. It's been really good. It's been really healthy. No, it's been, it's been interesting. To, speaking of things of calibrating and recalibrating. Uh, it's been good. Uh, one particularly bad losing streak of this led me to make a, a list of the 25 things I hate about myself as a <laughs> as a self improvement, you know, effort. And I I had a six hour conversation with my dad about the list, who, uh, you know, was like, "Why do you hate yourself?" And I'm like, "I'm glad you asked." Here's the... I lost three hundred dollars last right. night. So yeah, the list, the list was actually just one. I lost three hundred dollars last night. Two. I lost two hundred and fifty two dollars last th- no. are you establishing that uh what you care about as yourself is based on financial terms you're like well no well yeah sort of in this case and and that's also an interesting adventure right so i've also had to like wrestle with the moral quandary of like someone who doesn't like money conceptually spending an awful lot of money and time gambling um which is also an interesting paradox to explore within myself so it's really you know i'm growing a lot Growing a lot. <laughs> I'm growing a lot as a person. Yeah. I feel like that ending is always the way that you finish up a sort of. So this has been terrible, but I've learned a great deal from it. Like, like you know, Tony, you know, that... like it, it. Yeah, like it. Like it, Tony Stewart, uh, the NASCAR driver, um, was, involved <laughs> in this, uh, was involved in this fatal Thanks car accident. For that analogy, Greg. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Well, reason twenty six just went on the list. <laughs> exactly. He's right. like, well, no, I don't think it, it would only make sense if he somehow had left a casino when this happened. But, but he was like, he was like, you know, so I, I feel like I'm learning and growing from this as a person. I'm like, you know, that's not, you don't, that's not what you say about. Really? Like I feel like nope, I've learned not and learning grown. And growing. The guy on the track. <laughs> exactly. He's not learning or growing at all anymore. And you know. Anyway, well, I, I am. Uh, I am very. I, I've been actually. I said this to you. But I was actually really, really interested following along with the sort of poker shenanigans because, as you pointed out, we have played quite a bit of poker in the past. And um, yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch you. I actually have to say, I don't really think honestly that either of your stories is that shocking to me i mean not just because i've also actually been talking to you besides this but it just you know it it seems it seems logical to me like i think if if somehow i was speaking to you and you're like yeah i only have about a half hour in my lunch break in the office 
on the 60th floor of an investment bank in, in Wall Street, yes, then I would probably figure that I had left this plane. I think if that if that's what story was telling me and if Russ was like, yeah, so I basically decided um, that I was uh, I became a member of the uh, the president's anti-drug policy uh, Zardom. So <laughs> I'm now actually heading. I'm now the anti-drug czar. That would be a shock to the system. But, you know, I don't think this is that unreasonable. You guys are, you know, it fits. It fits. I see it. I'm, I'm sure. So what, what have been too. the big surprising taking... developments in your life then, Greg, since yeah. you're uh... ah. Since we've been so shocking, since we've <laughs> shocking. really thrown you off your game. Yes. No. Uh. Well. Um. My. Uh. My life has uh, continued somewhat. Uh. As. As it. Good. As it was good. when it declined. <laughs> yes. Good. Um. So let's see. Uh. Well, for one thing, I was thinking about this the other day. Senevine, my daughter, who was actually uh, Clea was pregnant with. Um. In and actually went into labor on one of our shows back in 2008. Senevine is uh, in first grade, and she's six and a half. So wow. there's that, <laughs> um, which is a little strange. And how does that make you feel? Yeah, how do you feel about that? Well, I feel new and revitalized. No, um, uh, it definitely, it definitely is one of those things you sort of look up and you go, "Wow," you know. You have this, you have this urge to start listening to Jim Croce songs like "Time in the Bottle" <laughs> and you know stuff like that. And no, I mean it's it's it is one of those things where you kind of look back and you're like, "Wow, I'm also 42." So there's that. I'm in my 40s. That's strange. That's a magic number. Yeah. I was going to say, it's the answer to life, the universe, and everything, right? So, I know, I know. Uh, yes, I was getting that quite a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, so so Senevine is, a, again, an incredibly spectacular, wonderful child. Um, and, like, she's amazing. Um, can we get really an funny. unbiased second opinion on that, just from, from some? Sure. No. I can confirm <laughs> that the... Yeah. Um, yeah, put Cleon. Chill, chill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, as you guys both know, having both seen her recently, um, she's a pretty amazing kid. So we yeah, are... We're very happy with her. Um, and then uh, Clea has started her own private practice. She is uh, in private therapy practice now. Um, which oh, I is, thought she, she became was, a lawyer. Well, no, she's kind of the group. She was always the group therapist a little bit, I always felt. So I think that it sort of fits that that's what she's now doing, except she's getting paid for it. So that's, you know, that's a different mindset <laughs> um, than what she had with us. But she's she's doing that, and I'm sure she will make appearances on here on occasion again. Uh, and I am, uh, promoted. I am now a full professor. I'm a real boy. So I'm, I'm now, thank you. Thank you. So I'm now a full professor and, uh, I'm in my 11th year at St. John's, which is hard to believe. Um, and I have a graphic novel coming out in a couple of months. I have, uh, short stories in a number of places and some other writing projects working on my fourth novel as we speak. Uh, and let's see. And I'm also, um, and the band is still together. The band actually has an EP coming out at the end of the year. Um, and I, uh, actually run a Twitch channel and that's actually Twitch TV didn't even exist, um, when we were doing the show, um, or at least it had just started. I wasn't aware of it. And, um, I now have a Twitch channel with almost 2,200 followers. So can you explain to me what Twitch is? Because literally the only thing I know about Twitch is that it somehow at some point played Pokemon. <laughs> Twitch played Pokemon. So Twitch is basically it, it used it started out as this thing called Justin TV, which was this dude who wanted to live stream his life, who lived out in San Francisco, where all good things come from. Okay. Um, and uh, so he, you know, went around and he streamed his life, and uh, people found it. It was popular, but it wasn't like a runaway success until they did this um, little game section of it, where people would play games and then they would broadcast it, and people would comment on them playing the games. 
And that became this big sort of phenomenon, so big that they eventually spun it off into its own thing. And in fact, they have just recently closed down Justin TV, which was the original. And so Twitch TV now has the third highest internet traffic in the United States. It is actually higher than Hulu. It is just behind Netflix and Google. Um, and it was just bought by Amazon for a billion dollars. So there's that. Um, and uh, it's, it's yeah, so they've, they've kind of made a name for themselves, which when you consider that it's literally something which started in 2011, the fact that it took about three years to get that's, – that's a good – you want to talk about return on investment and you want to talk about like plotting it out over years. How about I'm going to start this system and then it will be sold for a billion dollars to Amazon in three years. That is, that yeah, is Russ, high we quality. We thought we had improved our lives in three years. <laughs> that's yeah, – I mean, whoops. you know – so uh, yeah, so like what it Minecraft. is, is it, it really is unbelievable. So Twitch, uh, basically, it's it's you play. It's literally games Minecraft it. because you're watching people play Minecraft instead of you yourself <laughs> playing Minecraft. <laughs> exactly, it's very very meta, which which we love, right? Well, because um, Minecraft is now valued at two and a half billion dollars, and that started five years ago. So and yes. Microsoft has bought it, so everything. And yeah, there oh, are really? a number of people yep. with audiences larger than shows that are on TV whose job is to play Minecraft in an entertaining fashion for people that to watch. The case. I am not keeping up with how to slack off and make money. <laughs> I know, right? It's so much harder than that. Oh my god, what is wrong with me? One of the, the top uh, streamer on Twitch is a guy named uh, whose uh, stage name is Man versus Game. Um, he now has something like I want to say three hundred thousand followers. He has some outrageous number of subscribers, and so he's pulling in. I would guess at this point he's probably pulling in half a million dollars or more a year because he actually has sponsorships from like Speed Stick and you know places like this. Um, and it basically what it is is that you play you play these games, you broadcast them, and then the genius of it is the integrated chat. Um, because with the integrated chat, you have all these people who are able to comment on it, and it creates this community, um, this community of people that follow different sorts of games. Some of it is sort of like the more competitive esports games, some of which you may have heard of and some of which you haven't, like League of Legends or things like that, mm -hmm. or, or Warcraft, obviously StarCraft. These are all like competitive games that people play. And yeah, I, them... I recently found out that a lot of people are playing those things professionally. Yes, that's as, almost as big as poker as a professional pursuit for a lot of people. People on my debate team that I just coached were there was at least one semi-pro StarCraft player and one yeah. semi-pro League of Legends player. And, it's big yeah. business now. It's like an esports thing. In fact, they're actually doing a big tournament in New York, which is going to be broadcast in one of the not the big arena, but like a secondary arena of Madison Square Garden. So, I mean, it's it's gotten to be a pretty. No, it's become field. a spectator sport, which blows my mind. Yes, yeah. I just I tried spectating people spectating that, which granted third hand spectation is probably not what they're aiming for. But <laughs> yeah. it was just I couldn't relate. Well, I, part I, of it is I was like, I am officially an old man now. I, do I don't not get know anything. what kids are doing these days. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's an internalized part of it is that it's a, sort of an internalized code. Right. So for some of those things, like, for example, League of Legends, basically to me, which I can't stand watching League of Legends basically sounds like this. If you watch. A commentary is like, all right, he's going to go mid lane top and then he's going to jungle with the bottom and then go up the top. I'm like, I think you just said something that contrib that sounds like. And my if mother, you watch someone playing live, they're just clicking 5,000, 7,000. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, they don't even pay any attention. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like the, the League of Legends streamers are terrible. They don't even they don't give a damn about chat. Honestly, people just watch them to watch them. But there is a whole other set of people who are playing, which is what I would classify myself as, which are variety streamers. So they play variety games, and for them, it's all about building community and about sort of community structures. And I have to say, I, you know, I started it as a hobby because I literally because I was looking for something for background. 
when I was grading final exams in 2011. Um, and then I started streaming in April 2012. And now, you know, like I said, about 2,200 followers. So I usually have about now maybe around close to 60 concurrent viewers, which continues to grow. And those people are, a lot of them are regulars, but there's new people who come in all the time. And they're watching me play different games at the moment I'm playing. You'll be shocked, Shadow of Mordor, because there was a Tolkien game that I got. I know you're stunned. Right. Um, and, and so all, just and, to be clear, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt, but just to no, be clear, so you are what it sounds like you just described. And I just want to be clear, because if if so, I should retire from being a person because I'm inadequate. <laughs> you are simultaneously in one like any given second while doing this, playing a game which was designed to absorb your full attention to begin with, right. interacting with thousands of community followers live in real time in their well, comments well, 50, and grading their grading final exams <laughs> of yes. other people. Is that all at got? the same time? Yes. No. In fact, I actually, it's a game called final exam grader sim. So I actually, <laughs> no, no, it's been Greenland on steam. No, um, no, I must uh, be missing something. Those, those are things at different times. Um, oh, okay. but that would be an interesting, that'd be an interesting, but isn't point. the whole idea. I mean, so the serious question, leave the final grading exam. I mean, <laughs> Is it? It seems really challenging to simultaneously interact with the community live and play a game and talk about playing the game. Is well, that that's all going on simultaneously? You're right about that, and it's interesting okay. because I've actually I I've it's it's been the other thing about it, by the way, is that it's been tremendous exposure for my writing. I mean, I've sold a ton of books on Twitch, sure, and I've actually got a big. I ran a Kickstarter for the graphic novel Icarus, which is coming out in a couple of months. Actually, about a month and a half now. And I got a big push because of the Kickstarter, because of Twitch, because I broadcasted the event live on my Twitch stream, and I had a lot of people who backed it based on that. So, I mean, it's these are the great thing about Twitch is that the people who watch you, many of those people, it's a it, it's a pretty big demographic, a lot of different people that are involved, but a lot of them are tech savvy, and they're sort of the evangelist types who will go out. A lot of college students and people like that, and a lot of people who will go out and tweet it and talk about it. And there was a guy that I met um, directly through Twitch. Um, through my channel who ended up dropping $800 on the Icarus Kickstarter because he was just like, this guy is amazing. And he, you know, talked to another guy who ended up being like, yeah, this guy deserves to have, and it was a, it was a particular stretch goal in the Kickstarter. But the point was I met him through Twitch, the audio editor that uh, I was talking about before the cast that I do for my podcast speculate, I met on Twitch. So it's, it's a really sort of useful tech savvy networking type thing that I'm able to do as well. But yeah, as far as interacting with him, it's interesting because it's a lot of it is finding the right kind of game because <clears throat> there are some games that I don't. I actually played a game with Russ when he was out here called Guacamelee, and I ended up. Um, it, it was it was it was pretty funny. Really? Yeah, it was called Guacamelee. It's it's that kind of game, by the way. That kind of humor. It's it's very it's funny in a way, but it was so it was a lot of fun playing it with Russ. But it was so hard to play that I got frustrated with it. Which uh, me avocados streaming, are very poor warriors. They are. Friend. They totally are. They totally are. But I mean, they like streaming bad in <laughs> at the last moment. Amount of time. Damn you and your strange the light side fruit never wins. Vegetable. It only has the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like, yeah, the, the, it was sort of frustrating to me and me streaming frustrated does not work out well, but more importantly, I couldn't interact with chat because I had to have every second was like, okay, this complicated series of button presses, you know, this, that, and the other, there's some people who can do that, but that is not me. So 
I my games tend to be games like role playing games and story narrative based games um, that I can chat with um, chat about and sort of talk with them about. And that's the kind of community I cultivate. And I've actually been able to do a lot of developer interviews now with people who write for these games, about seven or eight of them, actually. Um, there was a game called uh, Valiant Hearts, The Great War about World War One uh, that came out from a small studio, Ubisoft. Ubisoft is a big studio, but this branch is in France called Montpellier. It's a four person team. And uh, there was this incredible thing about the story about World War One, and they had to go back and find this information from their great grandparents in France, where they lived. And um, and I had the guy on my stream, and that was that was amazing, you know. And I'd like to think that I'm one of the few people on Twitch who's doing stuff like that. Um, but so that that kind of stuff is that's my wheelhouse, right? I mean, I love talking about narrative and story, and so um, I, I'm able to sort of bring that up in this context. So it, as long as you find the right game, it works, and you sort of get used to it. I mean, as usual, as we've all talked about, debate experience is astonishingly invaluable for everything, including this. So being able to sort of, it's not a big deal for me to be talking in front of a bunch of people. Sure. Um, and the most I've had in my stream, although this number continues to rise, but I have had as much as um, 173, I think was the top uh, number that I had. And that was um, that was a lot of fun. There was a lot of energy in it. I mean, I think it's the kind of thing story that you would uh, you'd appreciate as kind of like the, the high of getting up for something, you know, sure. like, the, like the sort of event-based nature of it and stuff. And um, I'm really well, amazed in debate by it, rounds so. did the entire audience of a final round talk back <laughs> simultaneously <laughs> through, right through text not actually like speaking to you but through text yeah um it's true it's really interesting to see and i've met a lot of really good people that are casters and streamers that have become friends too who they just come from different backgrounds and things like that and and uh, that that are really sort of i don't know like a guy who's a disabled armory veteran living in kentucky with six kids and then there's a former almost olympic quality gymnast living in ohio and then there's uh there's another guy who's a german uh, computer designer and there's another person who lives in australia uh who uh who does like you know phone, like telephone like pole repair and like just just different like crazy stuff from all over the place um and that has been an amazing amazing experience so it's been cool to do that and um it's been another example of you know typical me with the renaissance stuff like kind of integrating all these things into my life um but they all seem to fit together in some strange way because a lot as i say a lot of people buy my books and a lot of people are interested in what i'm interested in because that's the community i have so yeah so it's been it's been a cool experience and um and it's been it's been fun so and that's that's been what i've been doing pretty much that and there's been some health challenges but um hopefully we're past those now and uh yeah we're and and we're back into it. It's kind of funny, too, because we we both, I think, we all independently came to the decision that we were like, yeah, you know, we might want to try this MEP thing again and kind of see how it stood. And I think we all, I don't know if you guys felt this way. I When I started mentioning it, I was kind of very tentative. I was like, so, um, you know, there was this uh, show we, you, we did once uh, that was, because I was like, I was waiting for one of you to be like, no, shut up, never. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> so I like stuck my head out the door and I was like, <laughs> safe, safe. And I took another step and another step. And so, yeah, we all kind of came to the conclusion we might want to give this a whirl again. So it was good. You were playing metaphorical red light, green light. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I, I totally was. So, yeah, lots of lots of things have changed. and uh, But lots of things have stayed the same. Like, for example, Story still gets frustrated when technology works against him, as often happened, like, just before the show <laughs> yeah windows oh, 8 happened. never ever never no <laughs> i love just the fact ask I if you can buy if they're trying to sell you a windows 8 machine 
and that's the only thing they have available, ask if you can buy a computer without an operating system. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. running a computer without an operating system and staring at the blank screen is less frustrating and more productive. <laughs> I, he was trying to get his stuff configured for uh, Skype, which we're using, by the way, folks, for those of you who are longtime listeners, um, we are no longer using TeamSpeak. We have advanced into 2014. We're not New player. Skype. New player. We're not player left. We're now using Skype, and uh, so he was getting everything set up, and then he's like, <laughs> and he's like, okay, guys, so I think I have everything I need. He's like, oh, nice. I don't even need an adapt, and then he goes dead, and he didn't need an adapter because he was plugging it into his computer, at which point Windows 8 took over, because I'm like, oh, that's fine. Just go into the settings for Skype, and you're, he's typing out, what are you setting? What do you mean by settings? I'm like, settings, you know, like on the top menu bar, he's like, I have Windows 8. I'm like, oh, God. So literally, I go to look for it, and literally it says, swipe from the right of the screen to see where the charms appear. And I'm like, charms? Like 13-year-old teenage girls now? Like charm bracelet? What are charms? Yeah, this is, Windows I don't 8 have Windows based 8. its operating system on Secret of Mana. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> well, either that or, like, you know, Fisher-Price, my first computer. Like, what? what are you serious? Charms? No, it is Fisher-Price, my first computer. Basically, the entire evolution of Windows is getting more and more retrograde. <laughs> so that as you get older with computers, its target audience it is younger stupider. and younger and younger. And Cenovine is basically, like, ancient oh, yeah. what they are aiming Windows 8 for now. It's like, oh, yeah. no, don't decide anything for yourself. Why would you want a computer with options and buttons? Everything is app, and app has one function. Why would <laughs> but, you want to change the function? But I want to know if, like, the computer yeah. says my diary and has a little lock on it that you have to use a key to open. I really want to know. That would be awfully sophisticated, really? Greg. <laughs> That's true. Sophisticated. That's true. And, like, the access point is, um, like, uh, West River High or whatever the hell that, that you know, uh, mid-teen uh, girl exactly. books the series is. I couldn't believe that charms like what are the and the next thing you hear is story's voice going i hate everything about <laughs> everything relating to this and all of this everything it's like yes. yep yep basically that's that's how it is hey uh russ what russ do you still have your massive behemoth of a laptop that's like um, somewhere and no i have one of the last sony veos that was put out before they oh that's right you got they new. were doing that that's right yeah, I, I noticed their distinct lack of airplane hangar noise filtering in, so I figured you didn't have the same old overheating laptop. I love this thing. I have no idea why they would stop making it. Or Oh, hey, this reminds me of a, a story uh, concerning Western Digital, which was another major company I've been affiliated with because, um, as you know, I like to pirate movies and I have a gigantic... I mean, by like, pirate, you mean to... I mean, wear an eye patch and watch movies with my friends. <laughs> and, R, this and, be the rounder, say I. R syllables. Um, <laughs> so the thing about doing that is you end up having these movies in weird file formats like X vids and waves and AVIs and things that aren't... And Trojans. ...renderable by like yes. standard TVs and stuff like that. So uh, like three years ago now or more... I bought this thing called a WD Live Hub, which was both a hard drive and had a two terabyte storage, and it could render every file under the sun in terms of all these weird video files, and nothing else could could sniff it, could even get close. So I was like, oh, this is the shits, even though you know, it wasn't an Apple TV or something a little more mainstream that people are familiar with that you can use to watch streaming TV or Roku, mm -hmm. which I also have. But I was like, 
for years, that was what I referred to as my movie machine. So people would come over and we would watch movies, very, you know, obscure movies that I downloaded on my movie machine that you can't find anywhere else. Like Caddyshack um, that you made me watch. <laughs> you made him watch Caddyshack? That's, that's like the greatest sports movie of all time, or comedy, sports comedy of all time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, not so much up stories, Alley, for many, many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> In a surprise move. <laughs> But I also showed you uh, Zeitgeist on the movie machine. That's true. No, no. I, Caddyshack stands out as the one dud. And I think a few yeah. others that really no, like made you really think about your life for a little while. So I felt yeah, yeah, accomplished. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so anyway, the thing, like, the, the hard drive got wiped, or I couldn't access it anyway pretty recently. And I was pretty livid because that was, like, a collection that had taken years to, to pirate. Yeah, to, to illegally. It took years to steal this card. You know, I'm, that's... I'm imagining a Chronicles of Narnia type bleep like we used to do, where every time Russ talks about an illegal activity, it just goes R, maybe over the top of it. And that's what I R, so and then I R. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Russ. Um, so I realized that my warranty had expired, and I wrote to uh, customer service anyway. And I wrote to them, hang on, I'm just bluffing. I was, I, oh, I thought you were actually going to, um, uh, oh, okay. I thought you were uh, actually going to show up, actually right at this moment, find it. Dear sir, I find right that I have out of warranty, and I would like to ask you to please consider a different method of approaching the warranty system for which I need my stolen movies, by which I mean movies I have legally bought. If yeah. you could please, yeah. <laughs> So I basically laid into Western Digg and talked about what a crappy product it was and how the machine had been buggy even beyond the fact that the hard drive crashed. Um, like things wouldn't work. And it was just it was beta from day one, even though it was able to render these files for as long as it was alive. And I got these, you know, very standard customer service responses. We're sorry, your warranty's expired. Uh, if you like, we can send you a pamphlet on other WD devices that you can purchase with your own Since money. Since you hated this one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly, this exactly. Would you like to double down, dear? And also, is very personalized. I imagine, dear Russell A. Guberman, we mm -hmm. would like to thank you for your message of October second, right? And I so, assume. but I, I know and and actually enjoy dealing with large bureaucratic companies like this in that I just am very polite and very eloquent, but I always demand to be upgraded up their stupid ladder of supervisors. And I'm like, well, clearly you can't help me. If you could bring a supervisor, I'd really appreciate it. And then the supervisor's like, well, uh, if you give us your WD Live, I can certainly get you a refund. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty nice, given that it's not in warranty. But here's the problem. You swallowed two years of my data. So if I give you that, I don't really get anything back. I go buy a new device, but I still have to start. Moreover, I've also given you evidence of my two years of theft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm clearly not going to do that. I'm not I mean, going to really... tell you what I've been doing with your devices. That's not going <laughs> to The reason I can't give you my illegal uh, you know, stock of guns and other ca contraband, sir, is that... <laughs> oh and then God. the guy's like, well, we can also recommend a partner service, which is a data recovery service that you can pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for to reclaim all of your data lost off of our device. I'm like, okay, no. How about you give me... <laughs> Your supervisor, and we'll talk about it again. And so, again, I went up to another supervisor, and again, I talked about this horrible experience and erasing years of data. And they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We will pay for the data recovery on your device, which is no longer under warranty, and <laughs> we'll send you back the device. And I'm like, 
but they're like, but you have to give us your device. I'm like, well, I'm not going to give you my device because still may have it. I'll go ahead. All right, all right. We will make you CEO <laughs> of Western Digital if you will leave us the f alone. Is that, that that's the end of this? Well, because the way I write these letters, like at any point, any supervisor of theirs could read these things and like, who's this eloquent person that you disappointed? This is the exact kind of customer that we want at Western Digital. You are all fired, all of you. <laughs> so this is what they're afraid of. So. I did. I sent in the thing to have the data reclaimed, and it took three weeks, and they sent me back the exact same drive looking exactly the same. They claimed to have swapped out the internal drive on the the Live Hub, and it was exactly the same. It was crashing. It couldn't detect its own hard drive from the interface, and I was like, great. This is an opportunity to really lay into these guys. So I wrote... (laughs) Another email to them being like, clearly this was never QA'd. Clearly this was never debugged. If this isn't an example of a corporate, <laughs> uncaring bureaucracy, I don't know what is. And they're like, oh my God, we're so sorry. <laughs> so many hundred dollars. We don't know what happened. It's a third partner, party partner, and we don't know. And I'm like, you, here's what you're going to do. You're going to send me a brand new hard drive with all of my data on it. And you're going to swap out my broken piece of crap device for the newest WD, like, media hub that you have on the market. And they're like, please, sir, if that's all we have to do, we're so happy to do that. And you're going to send me to Hawaii so that I can recover from this (laughs) awful experience. (laughs) (laughs) happening right now. Wow. I I feel like there's going to be a certain point where your customer service mojo is going to hit a wall where you're going to get to someone's going to be like, no. And he'll be like, the supervisor, I am the CEO. Like, what? They're like, no. Answer oh, no. I've talked to, like, vice presidents of Time Warner Cable before just because I was patient, like, on the phone. I'm like, excuse me, I've been paying $50 for my cable bill. You just raised it 20%. Can you do that? And they're like, um, well, you had this amazing promotion. Well, like, give me another goddamn promotion. <laughs> sorry, we're sorry. I want even something more amazing goddamn promotion. Wise. find one for you. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know. It's interesting to get to the point, you know, in in your life, although you've probably been here much longer than I was. Um, but to get to this point in your life where you're just kind of like, yeah, I am going to move on to do something else because uh, you're, this is not acceptable. And to no longer feel cowed by the person who sort of responds with like, well, what about this? And you're like, what about shut up? And then like, you know, you yeah. just you pull out like the title and the age and the experience. And they're just like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, it I'm doesn't sorry. help. That like 80% of the time in an improv context, because I'm a little bit older than the average improviser, that I'm playing like these high status characters like lawyers and scientists and attorneys and pe- and angry parents. And so I'm just I just constantly am reinforced all the time that I'm an authority figure. And all of that work makes me believe that in real life I can just push people around whenever I want to constantly. Do you know who so. I improvise for? Like, oh. <laughs> Do you know who I pretend to be? Hmm? Do you, Do you, know, me, Do you know who my name isn't? But I'm very familiar with this authoritative trope, and I can continue <laughs> it if you wish me to, but I don't think you want this to happen. <laughs> Do you prefer to give me more wherefore and henceforth and therefore? Yeah. Um, no, it's 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 true. I... That's funny. And I mean, I, again, that's that is not really surprising to me that that happens, although it is funny that it comes out of Western Digital because Western Digital is always the one I had. I have to say the worst possible tech problem you can ever have is a crashing hard drive 
which happened to me once with my drive. I will never buy Seagate again. Or no, uh, Mac Store. Mac Store is a steaming pile of garbage. Do not buy Mac Store ever. It's the hardest thing to track down because it's completely and utterly uh, unreproducible. Like, there's just no, you can't, like, because it's always something different. Like, this is crashing. Like, you thought you fixed it. And it's like, it's like you're talking to some drunk dude who's just like, oh, no, I know what I'm, and then you're like, wait, what? I What happened to you? That's pretty much the essential point of having it. In fact, I did have one experience like that. I had a car like this since we, this was a year or two ago, where I ended up having to kick it up the line. And every, this car was just a lemon from the word go. And it started falling apart at about 50,000 miles. And there was all this crap going back and forth. And finally, they were just like, they they and the, this one particular dealership wanted to charge me all this money for it, and I actually had to get a lawyer, um, and I actually had to send them something that was like, "This is not going to stand. I will pay not one red cent. No, I will not pay for the rental car. No, I will not do this. Here is the six pages worth of complaints detailing the exact same problem with the fuel pump that I'm having. No, it's not because I didn't put enough oil in. Shut up, shut up, shut up. And I just did the whole arrow cutting, continually deflect, you know." Uh, and, and ultimately they gave in because their national service got pissed at them. And it was great because at the end of it, I had like run in and like created a bunch of like sown dissension in the ranks. So by the time I left, like the national office was incredibly pissed off at the dealer. <laughs> so it was almost like they gave me the check and then it was like metaphorically they were like fighting each other. Like, yeah, the check's over there. Listen, you son of a – like they had totally forgotten about me who had started all this from them for that point of view. So sometimes you got to do that, man. You just got to pull out the I, the sort of righteous indignation. Polite but righteously indignant and occasionally you have to get a lawyer and then they'll treat you right. Eventually. This all reminds me of the the first computer that I had when I was in college that two separate techs, they sent three different techs who traveled out to Waltham, Massachusetts out to the campus, got lost on the campus because campus addresses don't make any sense to try to repair my speaking of useless pieces of, you know, what compact, Um, and two separate, the first and third people who came out independent of each other and looking at their work orders voluntarily chose the word possessed to put on the work order about the computer. (laughs) And it was only the second possessed that convinced Compaq to just take back the doggone machine and refund us our money and leave us alone. Yep. It's true. Sometimes it's just, it's one of those things you just can't, uh, you just can't reproduce it and you can't. Now, did you have the experience that you normally get with cable guys that one guy came out, looked at it, and was like, well, I don't know what the previous guy was doing? I feel like every cable guy's job is to attack the previous cable guy. It's just like, well, whatever well, they always did last time. they start out with that. They'd always be like, well, it's it's sort of this hubris of like, well, I'm sure I can fix this. Ho, ho, ho. I'm the only <laughs> competent person because 85% of people are mailing it in and I'm not mailing it in. So what were these other? Oh, my God. What is in this machine? Exactly. Did you pour my molasses over every why it oh the humanity yeah so that was always the evolution as as how it went with the last two people so uh, i got it i got it i don't got it i don't exactly, got it. i exactly. don't i don't got it so. yeah man that's what that's what you have to do um and it's occasionally it's funny because i can sometimes do good cop bad cop in that situation where i'll pull out the sort of righteous indignation and then if i have to i can sometimes pull out clea to sort of restore that you could almost tell the person's really oh thank god a, f- a female calm voice uh yes um I- i'd be happy to deal with you and i'm just like yes now when she's done i'll take over i'm like and another thing about your incompetent company that i hate and like oh god please i don't I feel bad now now that now that I've read all these stories about how these poor tech support people are just, you know, like minimum wage workers that the economy's terrible and so they're just doing what they can to get by and 
But it's so hard not to see them as the avatar of all that is wrong with humanity when my computer's breaking. I don't know. Right. I'm just like, I'm just like, dude, your your product sucks. What? Why would you work for them? You know, you know. I realized I never told you guys in a MEP report context the story of how I left my last uh, full time employment. Oh no! Yeah, you should. Do you guys remember? I told, but I've clearly told you the story like not yeah. on yeah. the thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. To me, that kind of defeats the purpose tell me what happened next Russ. Tell yeah me what exactly happened next. and then what i don't remember all of it um i mean the short version is that i um oh wait you know what it occurs to me that there may be some uh in in the at the end of the story there was a settlement that may have had some kind of non-disclosure thing so <laughs> i probably was wondering about not, this actually no problem you're disclosing it just to the public. It's anyway, not- I worked for a company. I sued them. We had a settlement. The end. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly like some story I tried to tell, and then I realized it was like me stating that I had a death wish on someone, and I was like, abort, abort, let's not have me threaten the life of someone on a podcast. And like, <laughs> and then you guys were like so disappointed. You're like, good story. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, well... It, it did Better actually happen than to me once. the story of when story went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! It actually, it, I I did actually tell a story once to someone. It was in the midst of finals grading, and I was extremely tired. <coughs> Excuse me, and I was coughing my lungs out clearly. And uh, I did. I was in the middle of telling them the story at the and the end of it was this big punchline about how stupid the person was who told me the story. At which point I realized that the person I was telling the story to was the person to which the story referred. <laughs> So I was like, I'm like, so then, uh, then I, I saw a unicorn and yeah, nothing exactly. happened. It was sort Yay. of like that. I was like, I was like, and then that kind of reminded me of this time I went to McDonald's and they were like, what? And it's it just, it's just kind of like, clearly there was one part of my brain that was like frantically pulling every alarm bell. Like, hello, brain, brain. This is the same guy. It's the same guy. And finally the brain's like, what? But, oh, the same guy. Alarm, alarm, alarm. Oh, my God. It was literally, I could just see it down the pike. I'm like, and this will be the end of this. St- oh, God, it's the same person. Oh, I, oh. Um, yes. So that happened at times. <laughs> Sometime in the future. Everybody yeah, it's really around. great. Good A story stuff. that doesn't work. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I tell you, there was one time when I was in the witness protection program, and uh, <laughs> it was great. They totally changed my name, and I worked at a Kmart for months. Yeah, did I yes, tell you guys Trevor, my name I've been then? I was wondering when you were going to stop your cover story of. Ru- oh. <laughs> I'm so glad you could finally spread the word about your real identity. Oh. Uh. <laughs> and they actually made me change my address from 112 Spring Street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was. I thought it was strange my social security number was changed to. <laughs> It's like the LifeLock guy. You heard about that, right? The guy, the LifeLock guy who uh, used to go around putting his uh, social security number on billboards to prove how safe it was. And then his social security number was hacked like six times. And he was just like, we will have to stop doing This is life close to locked. Like it's life. It's life suggestion not to steal now. Um, because yes, because you don't want to do that. It's like you don't poke anonymous. Don't poke anonymous in the face. You don't do that because anonymous is, will get back at you somehow. Don't do that. Hey, Anonymous, the emu is looking at you. Oh, sorry. What, be like, like, anonymous would be like, they're looking at us? Yes. I neither avow nor disavow Anonymous or like them or dislike them <laughs> publicly. <laughs> Privately, I really am a big fan of theirs, but I would never give them <laughs> no. a 
any kind of assistance, financial or advice or otherwise, or or in any way show us a picture of the guy from uh, the Guy Fox mask from nope, V for Vendetta. I, I would never contravene any of nope. the sub clauses of the Patriot Act having to do with arbitrarily <laughs> designated terrorist entities, and uh, you know, that's funny. Well, believe it or not, guys, this is what happens when you're having fun. We've reached the end of an hour. It is. It has actually been an hour, and. Uh, so I, tune I in in three years for yeah, another know, for exciting edition one. of the Map Report. Map Report 129. Um, we still actually have our site functional, I believe, although it will probably get redesigned at some point. But uh, in the meantime, you could always check us out at mapreport.com. I think if you contact us at our email address, they'll still forward somehow through various channels to get to us. They'll go through the sewer, but it'll, it'll get there. Well, the dingo came around one day. Hey there, Emu, you want to play? But the Emu was too smart for him. <laughs> Walk right up and kick him in the shin. He can't fly, but I'm telling you, we can run the pants of a dingo too. Oh, yeah, but he had to kick me in the shin first. Well, the last time I saw old man emu, um, he was chasing a female he knew, um, as he shot past, I heard him say, she can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pits of a kangaroo, she can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pits of a kangaroo.